0: Hey there, prolific authors. I am back today with a really great interview with author Laura M. Drake. She is still relatively new on her author journey, and so I think some of you who are also pretty new might appreciate what she has to say. We actually cover a lot of ground in this interview. We talk about everything from the pros and cons of genre hopping to incorporating Japanese cultural lore into her stories, (laughs) which is really fun, to selling seasonal fiction like Halloween fiction. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. We also talk about vellum a little bit. So stay tuned for that, and I think you will get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Before we hop into the interview, I wanted to say that I'm starting to do more YouTube videos now where I'm going to show author's basic ins and outs of different authoring things. So of course, there will be videos that are about writing craft and about marketing and the kinds of things you're used to hearing from me. But I can also do kind of the nitty gritty stuff like uh, how to upload to BookFunnel or different ways to use story origin, how to do swaps, how to write a lead magnet, things like that. So If there is anything that you would like me to make a video about, please let me know. You can email me at lkbooks at gmail.com or even better, just go over to YouTube. Um, My channel is The Prolific Author. You can subscribe there and you can leave me comments and tell me what kind of videos you want me to make. Okay? Taking years to write a book is so last century. Hi, I'm Liesl Hill. I help aspiring authors move toward their dreams of career authordom by mastering their story, mastering their words, and mastering their marketing. If you're ready to put your head down and do the work necessary to eventually live off your fiction royalties, then tune in each week. I'll give you actionable tips and hacks, as well as inspiring interviews with writers who are already doing this. We are Prolific Authors. All right, we are here today with Laura Drake. How are you, Laura? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for being here with us. And uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about you and what you do. So why don't you start by introducing yourself and just tell us who you are and what you write. All right.
1: My name is Laura M. Drake. I like to throw in my middle initial because there is another Laura Drake author out there who does cowboy ah. romance books. And that is definitely not my genre. So <laughs> don't want people to be confused. Um, I I guess speaking of genres, I'm kind of all over the place. My first trilogy was a fantasy, a YA fantasy. I tell people it's uh, Harry Potter meets Avatar the Last Airbender. It's like elemental magic at a magical academy. And then I, after that, I wrote a series of Japanese ghost stories. So that was pretty fun. I lived in Japan for a while, so I'm like super into Japan and enjoyed that. And right now I'm working on another fantasy, but it's currently not YA but um, they're all clean. It's kind of my thing. It's just any age person could read it, but random genre hopping.
0: (laughs) So my first question is, do you keep all of those under the same pen name or do you write under different pen names?
1: I do. And it might not be a great idea with Amazon's algorithms. And, you know, the whole people that bought this also bought this. But I kind of feel like, ideally, I'd like it to be like, I just have a style of writing that people enjoy. So even if they're like, Maybe they don't like a lot of ghost stories, but maybe they might want to try it if they enjoyed my magic ones. So anyway, mm-hmm. I've just been doing them all under one because I just want to build a brand as a queen writer, not as a fantasy writer or as a YA writer or whatever it is. But we'll see how that works out in the long run.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, from my um from my experience, because I write across four different genres and I do have three different pen names, but I didn't start out that way. I started out writing them all under one. And then after a few years, I kind of, you know, broke them out. But I will say that there, you know, especially via your personal fans, like your email list, I find that a lot of mine will write, read across all my genres, even if they don't read that genre, because they just like what I write. So I think you uh-huh. could do really well there. Um, in terms of like Amazon ads, then it, you, that's where you might run into trouble because the algorithm is super, super picky about things.
1: Yeah, I figured if I, I figured that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, if I'm going to get in trouble, it's going to be with Amazon because you know whenever mm-hmm. it shows like the also bots and those kind of things, it'll throw right. me off. But I was like, you know it's just, I can't even keep up with one person's social media account. I don't know how I would do like, yeah.
0: So, um, are you
1: wide or are you just on Amazon? Just on Amazon right now? I might, I'm not against going wide. I guess it's just, it feels like there's always so much, like this overwhelming wave of information that you have to learn as an author and going wide. is just something that I just haven't tackled yet. Cause I yeah. just, keep focusing on getting more books out. But I'm definitely not against it. I would like to go wide. I think like I do have all my stuff in KU at the moment. So mm-hmm. it probably end up being like, I don't know. You know, you hear some people like make the first book in their series free. And then it doesn't matter if it's wide or KU because anybody could read it anyway.
0: And then you keep the rest in KU. Right. So maybe I don't know. What do you do? Yeah, I'm wide. Um it's it's not as bad as you would think if you if you come up with a strategy. For what to do on each platform, you know, it, I I thought it was going to be way worse than it was and be way harder than it was, and it really wasn't too bad. But I get that it, it can be overwhelming if you don't know exactly what to do, you know. So yeah, I do understand that. So do you get a lot of Ku reads? Are you getting a lot of your um, uh, income from that? Um.
1: Yeah, it's I don't know. It's probably half and half right now. Like, there's not honestly okay. a lot of income at the moment. I still need to figure out. Like I need to do way better with ads and advertising and marketing in general. But right mm-hmm. now I just was kind of focused on putting out more content. So then when I did do ads, I'd have more to, you know, like more to draw people to. So I guess right. at this point I have two theories out. So I guess I should focus more on ads again. <laughs> but <laughs> I just like to
0: hate them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just curious because if you I was gonna say if you're getting a lot in, in KU, then that's probably a good thing for now. You know, it's it's not a bad thing because I cause I was in KU at the beginning and now I'm kind of um experimenting with cycling my different genres in and out of it that's kind of what I'm doing oh. this year um mm-hmm. but yeah I mean at the beginning it's not a bad thing to be in even though I'm very pro pro wide I always recommend people go wide it's not a bad thing especially when you've only got a couple of books out to be in KU because you probably will make more money that way right off the bat so yeah
1: I don't yeah like I have like my friend I have a co-written series that's under a pen name that um because it's like totally separate it's like learn rpg and anyway uh-huh. that one like without marketing I feel like people just still find it and they're like avid KU readers in that genre it seems I it definitely is like dependent on the genre which is very interesting yeah yeah for sure
0: for sure and I know that bigger genres like um like romance a lot of times do well there because the romance readers are so voracious they'll just they'll read six books in a week and so you know it's it's a good thing to put your put your romance in there so yeah Um, so how did you, how did you get into writing? How did you decide you wanted to, to do this? I've,
1: I think I've always like, I've always been an avid reader. Like I can easily knock out like three or four books in a Saturday. If I just Mm -hmm. like, you know, just reading and chilling. But I, I think I tried to write a little bit in high school. It never obviously went anywhere. But then I, after college, I was living with some roommates. No, I think it was in college. I started co-writing with a friend and it obviously, that we haven't even finished that story but it was so fun and then in, I became a teacher and my roommates and I started writing a book about being single together mm-hmm. and that kind of re-sparked my passion for it and then a couple of years ago I moved to Japan and once I no longer had roommates or like as like before I made friends there and you know I just like had more alone time at my apartment I suddenly had all this free time and I started writing seriously and then I fell in love with it Once I like actually finished my first rough draft, draft and started sending it to beta readers and I was like I love this so much and yeah I've been in love with it ever since
0: <laughs> good good for you now I gotta ask why did you move to J- Japan was that a work thing
1: um no it was just like a. I I did an internship in Japan in college and then I went back to visit a couple years after and then after that I was just like man why am I not living in Japan right now and so <laughs> then I just moved there
0: <laughs> wow that's a, that's a big move
1: it um, was it was a big move lots of a lot of it was a lot of hassle but so fun like I yeah. probably would still be I don't know if I'd still be there but I had to come back when COVID got crazy because my my parents were like you're never going to come home if you don't come home now and <laughs> that might be right who knows it's still pretty yeah. crazy, but
0: okay gotcha and you know I'm just kind of interested you said you you wrote or you were uh, did some books that were Japanese horror stories so did you do a lot of research for that into Jap- real Japanese myths and things
1: yeah, so what happened is I had this nightmare that I woke up from, and I was like, oh, this is a great dream, and so then, I don't remember why, but I, like, started researching some Japanese ghosts to figure out, like, which, which ghost story I could use as, like, the villain in my dream, you know, and then, <clears> then it just kind of turned into this series, and so a lot of the cultural stuff is just stuff that I know from living there and my friends and studying, and so, like, I worked in all those culture aspects but all the research of the ghosts are like actual Japanese ghosts from like urban legends and stuff that I did have to wow. look up and study.
0: That's fun. That's fun. So yeah, is there, do you have fun. a favorite Japanese ghost that you really, really liked?
1: Um, I actually, I, my favorite might be the second book is they actually go to Japan in that book. And so you get like a ton of the like culture stuff, but the ghost in that book is actually this is the only one in the series not based on an actual ghost it's so in japan they have something called the um the nhk man which is this guy that comes and knocks on your door and makes you like pay a, like a television fee essentially if you have tv in your apartment and there's like all these jokes about like don't answer your door for the nhk man like he's just coming to take your money and like foreigners that go there that um they're always like oh it's like what happened to the nhk man so it's like this big joke and he totally came to my apartment like three or four times and i was like i don't even like I don't even watch tv there's like a tv team with my apartment I was like I'm not paying for this tv that I never turn on and so I was always like trying to avoid him and anyway so it just turned into this big joke and I ended up turning him into my ghost for the book and I paid it to the NKH man for like you never know how he's coming and <laughs> um anyway so that's probably my favorite just because it's like based on my actual experience of like you know yeah the knock at the door and all this
0: stuff yeah that's super fun <laughs> I like that yeah. I'm interested in especially Japanese ghost stories like I've only gotten interested in them in the last year or two and I haven't done a whole lot of research or anything like that I just heard a few of them and they're always super fun super interesting they're
1: creepy like I I love it when my readers are like oh this makes me want to go and research like Japanese ghost lore but also they're like but also I'm too terrified so I probably (laughs) won't
0: so you write clean is the lore like too intense for people who read clean novels Do you think? Well, clean is in, like, no swearing, no
1: sex, any of that kind of stuff. But it, like, it is pretty intense. Like, I know, like, my sisters, where they'd be like, oh, I was reading it and I didn't want to turn off the lights or, like, go to the bathroom alone or, like, you know, like, it's, like, good jump scenes if you like suspense movies. But it's not, like, just super bloody or gory or violent or, like, those kinds of things. So I think it's still pretty, like, I've had nieces and nephews read them and, like, they're all 12 and under. So, like, they're pretty. um, Yeah palatable but they are like intense like if you don't enjoy jump scenes you probably wouldn't like it but if you <laughs> do enjoy it being spooked I think it's I like it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well that's that's usually the best way when it's really spooky but not not so much the content that would be yeah that's like my favorite to
1: too like when I'm watching movies like I love good jump scenes but I don't want just like you know like I don't know. Like I like zombie movies, but I don't want to see a ton of gore or people being eaten. I just want like, I want to be scared. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know. I have this kind of, I'm sure I've told it on the podcast before this funny story about, I write serial killer novels. So they're not really horror, but they have elements of horror in them. Uh-huh. And um, I do, I mean, I, I don't make it overly gory, but I mean, you know, they're killers. They do kill people. There's there's some dark gritty stuff there. And when I wrote my first one, the botanist, my, my younger brother was like, 14 or 15. And he was really excited. He's like, as soon as you write that, send me even like the first draft. I want to read it. And I was like, okay. So I said it to him. And then my dad called me and told me that he was sleeping with his lights on at night. Cause I scared <laughs> the crap out of him. <laughs> and so I had to I love him that.
1: About that a little. Yeah. <laughs> I like, oh,
0: yeah. I remember but I like
1: not that I told my nephews. So I had like this five, four, five-year-old nephew. And I was telling, one night when I was watching them, I told them like a good night story. And it was just like a spooky, but kind of like silly story too. Like it was jumpy and then I was like, and just kidding, it wasn't really scary. You know, like kind of that kind of story. But then yeah. later my sister came home and she's like, why is my son sleeping with his like, like Nerf gun in his hand? And I was like, ooh, sorry about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's way <really> funny. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, um, okay. So what do you think is your, your biggest strength in, in your writing? um what do you do best or what are you good at or what do you like the most I
1: I like um interactions like character interactions and dialogue I feel like I'm pretty good at like banter and just natural conversation that's how I am a person like I love banter and just like joking around and teasing and stuff so I think just like like in the magic trilogy there's it's a group of four best friends that are the main characters and I love the interactions between them and um even like I guess in the haunting ones there's like um just like the the character interactions I really like that and I also really like world building I don't know if it's what I do best but I feel like it's something that I'm interested in and I love it and I want to be better at it Mm
0: -hmm. yeah I love world building too So is there something particular you do to make your dialogue really, really strong to make sure that it's reading well on the page and that it's coming across the way you want to?
1: Um, I don't know. I guess like one, I read things aloud to see how they sound, which I think Mm -hmm. helps a lot. Yeah. Um, But I think just like a good mix of dialogue tags and action beats to really set the stage. Like, you know, you know, when like you first start writing and you're like trying to show everything, but or sorry, Mm -hmm. you're trying to tell everything. And then you learn, like, it's so much more powerful if you can, like, show their anger through their body language than being like, he said angrily, or like, whatever, you know? Right. So, like, right. just picking up all those really easy tricks and then, like, applying them and then learning, like, I don't know, one thing, I'm not the best at this, but it is something that I'm working on is, like, you know, making your characters individuals with their body language. Like, one of my characters, whenever she was nervous, she would always pull on a piece of her hair. So mm-hmm. like, it was just like this tell for her or like finding little ways to make your characters and their actions and their like dialogue unique, even without tags to know. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, I guess I like to try and do well. <laughs> I don't know if you have a bit of like, oh yeah, I do this super great, but that's what I do for
0: <laughs> <it>. <laughs> No, no, I think that's great. I, that's actually something I teach uh, to my students is to, to I call them, um, let's see, what do I call them? Emotional... Emotional indicators, I think, is what I call them, and it's just to to pick one. It doesn't even matter what it is for each character, so that you're you're using it over and over again, and not just saying they got mad or you know you know. And, and of course, there's ones that are cliche. You know, anyone can uh, ball their fist up or hit the wall, but you have to make sure that that's specific to them versus other characters. So no, uh-huh, I think you're doing uh-huh. something really right there, and that really helps with the characterization.
1: Sometimes I think I overdo. I remember my editor was like, Laura he needs to stop running his hands through
0: his hair. Like he's gonna go bald. And I am like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I think everybody does that sometimes. And it, it's like, it, it's hard to find the balance I think because either you do it too much or you don't do it at all. And you gotta have yeah. those editors to catch that either way. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, my friend, it's like funny when you're writing and you're like, oh, I'm so in the groove and you're like, like words of pouring out of you. And then someone will go back and read it. And they're like, you use the same word like four times in these three pages. <laughs> and you're
0: like, oh, how did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, we joke about that, me and my writer friends too. It's like, I promise I do know other words. (laughs) But it's like you said, you're in the groove and you're just getting that first draft down. So that's exactly what editing's for, you know, we all do it. It's true, it's true.
1: And I'm like, at least it's down and like you can, you know, start cleaning it up at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what is your your process then? Do you do do a first draft first and then go back through and clean up or like tell us about how you get your words written?
1: So normally I... Pretty much every book, well, every series, at least, has been based off a dream. So then I wake up, but not, like, take crazy notes. And then I plan it out. I do, like, the uh, Save the Cat beat sheet, generally. Mm -hmm. And so I'll plot out the novel that way. And then I call my sister-in-law, who I learned this after my first magic book, when I was, like, I'm ready to publish. And then she read it, and she's, like, we've got a lot of problems you need to fix. And (laughs) I was, like, dang it. (laughs) So I go to her first. And we talk through my draft before I've even started writing. And she helps me, like... She's, she's a high school English teacher so I feel like she's really good at like character development and like asking all these questions that I I'm like I feel like I'm very plot focused and she's very character focused so it's super helpful to have her input yeah and so we talk it out and then I do a heck of a lot of writing sprints um, yeah. like if I like if I'm just in the first draft mode then I'll be like okay I'm gonna do 10 20-minute writing sprints today, and just see how many words I can crank out, and then I can generally do like I don't know, five to ten thousand words in a day, depending. So wow. I can get to the first draft pretty fast, and then the revisions start, and <laughs> that's rough. <laughs>
0: yeah, but. for sure. But that's that's great that you have a process nailed down where you can kind of count on what your word count's going to be, and how, you know roughly how long it's going to take you. How, how long are your books?
1: Um. They- <laughs> They're all different. Like my first magic okay. book was 70, 75,000 ish. And then the second was like 120. And then the third was 170. Yeah. So those kind of got out of hand. But all the Japanese ones, they're all novellas. So they're like 25 to 35,000, hmm. which was really awesome. Cause I actually I released all four of those last October for Halloween, like in the same month, which was nuts. Um, yeah. That's
0: and then fun. the one I'm
1: writing now is like 65,000. And I think okay. it'll probably stay around 65 to 75. Nice.
0: Nice. So, um, did you, did you see a lot of sales for, for your, uh, horror ones around Halloween? I think I definitely
1: like had more than I would have otherwise, but I, I don't know. I still don't know. Like I haven't built up my email list enough and I don't know, like, I'm not good enough at marketing to really, like, I think that I should see a bunch of sales on it. So I'm going to try hard again, like this next to Possibly I'm thinking of, releasing another ha- halloween like haunting book every halloween for a couple of years just to revisit mm-hmm. that universe you know um and see if it can kind of bump the series but i don't know i didn't see a lot of sales just because in general i still feel like a super unknown author that doesn't have a fan base set and like terrible at marketing but i think that i will like i know that the books are enjoyable for people because like the arc readers and like the readers are like they like love it you know Mm -hmm. And but I anyway. So I guess the short answer is no. But I have faith in the
0: books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And everybody goes through that at some point where they're, you know, if you're getting really good feedback on your books and you know they're enjoyable, then you're doing something right. You just gotta, you know, keep going and get the other pieces in place and you'll you'll be golden. So
1: yeah. So I figure like if I keep releasing good books and hopefully eventually it'll like you know, the
0: ball will start rolling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So do you think marketing is your biggest struggle then when it comes to book writing? Yeah. Mm -hmm, Is is there something in particular you want to to learn in that?
1: Um, I need to get better with Amazon ads. I need to get better with like growing my mailing list and actually using it. Um, actually all ads in general, like Facebook, I Mm -hmm. would love to get on book talk and figure that out. The, The problem is it's just like, so many things and not enough hours in the day that I'm like, I don't know how people do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel you. <laughs> I think that's everybody's no. struggle. It's really hard to, to have enough time to write and market and do all the things, you know?
1: I know. I'm like, I need to get married to a guy who loves like the computer marketing side of things. And it's like, <laughs> you're yeah. like, can you please take care of that? Cause I don't want to. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. For sure. So I wanted to ask you about, um, the other the pen name you said there's a laura drake and you do laura m drake have you seen have you had a lot of problems with that have you seen a lot of crossover or the algorithm getting it wrong or anything um
1: well like if i don't remind people to put the m in and they'll just like search for me then automatically the other laura drake comes up because she is a more established author on amazon and she has i don't actually remember how many she has but she like she's definitely been at it longer um so yeah, it's like if you don't specifically write Laura M. Drake, the wrong Laura is gonna come up if you're looking for me. Right. But, um, but besides from that, I guess I haven't really had that much problem. Though I guess I wouldn't really know if people are like searching and like not finding me. Like I wouldn't know. But <laughs> it hasn't been too bad. Um, like I guess I'm just lucky that we don't have the same middle name.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. For sure. So what are your plans for the future? You plan to keep writing, keep publishing?
1: Yeah, I actually am going through the revision process of another. It's a standalone, which is my first standalone. I'm excited about that. Um, I'm going to yeah. actually try and release it on Kindle Vella. Have you done any books on there? I have not done Kindle Vela, no. Yeah, I haven't either. But I was like, you know, it seems fun because you can post the chapters and like get reader feedback, you know, like they can comment on it. And at uh-huh. the end, you can still pull the book down and release it normally. Yeah. so I'm like why not try it you know so yeah it's like as well a fun thing to do so I'm going to do that with my next piece and then um I've got like these modern Jane Austen retellings I really want to do like college mm-hmm. age and some more of the magic series I want to do a prequel series um I have like tons of ideas and just not enough time which I feel like is a lot of writers
0: <laughs> yeah yeah for sure for sure Well, this has been great. Um, Do you have any advice for up and coming writers who might be a little bit behind you and wanting to do what you're doing?
1: Yeah, um, one is definitely start building your fan base. Even if you don't have anything out yet, I feel like there are still ways you can start building your email list to prepare for Mm -hmm. your first release. And two, uh, don't be afraid to let people read your work, like be a beta reader and get lots of beta readers because Yes. As far as I know, no one's going to try and steal your work. And like, they're, no matter how skilled you are as a writer, you can't get outside your own brain. So mm-hmm. you need other sets of eyes on your work.
0: Yeah. I, I love that advice because I've been with the, the same critique group for years now, which has, you know, it's changed a little bit with people coming and going. But overall, critiquing other people's work, I think, is one of the fastest ways to build your skills as a writer. And yes. you're getting basically free edits from other people who, I mean, we always talk about how it's a little bit, having a writer edit your work versus a reader, there is a little bit of a difference. So it's, it's good to get both. But uh-huh. at the same time, if you can satisfy other writers who are going to be infinitely pickier than readers are, then you're, you're really in a good place. You
1: know? Yes. Yes. It's so helpful because you're like, it's so funny because when you're reading someone's work, you can be like, wow, they're so good at world building or like they like they keep making this mistake. Like, do I do that? And you're so much more yeah. aware when it's not your own. Like you could read your own stuff and be totally blind to your flaws sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's like blows my mind how that works. But yeah, it happens every time.
0: <laughs> yep, it does. It does. So yeah, I really appreciate that advice. Um, anything else you want to say before we sign off for the day? Um, nope, I'm good. It's-
1: Keep your eyes open for the the next release till life do us part. But aside from that, thanks for letting me on today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being here. So tell everybody where they can find your books. Um, Just on Amazon, I'm assuming.
1: Yes. Yes. Amazon. That's Laura M. Drake. And it'll bring up both series. And then um, actually that's there right now for finding the books. But I do have a website with like Laura M. Drake books at Wix site. And then Facebook, you can do Laura M. Drake books and find me. But okay. Yeah. And I think all of the books have like a freebie scene at the end that you can like sign up for if you join the email list. So there's like some bonus scenes out there too.
0: Yeah. Okay, good. I will make sure and link all those up in the show notes so that people can find you. And yeah, just good luck with everything. Now you said real quick, you said you're doing, you're going to do vellum for your next project. So do you know when that's going to go up on vellum? Like when you'll ready to Honestly, publish that.
1: I would love to start putting some of the chapters up now, but I need an image. And my cover designer is like busy until April. So I'm oh, like, okay. just kind of waiting on her. But I was like, well, until then I'm just polishing some chapters, but I have the whole book written. So okay. as soon as the picture's ready, it's going to be up. So hopefully April.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, if you're interested, I'd love to have you come back, you know, in a few months and tell us how Vellum went for you. And because like I said, I haven't, I haven't forayed into that. I have a, um, I was just thinking I have a dragon magic. It's a high fantasy dragon fantasy that I've been building other parts of my business the last two years. So I haven't actually published any books for like a year and a half, but I have like three of them that are mostly written that I just haven't finished. So I could actually do that with my dragon magic book, but I would like to hear somebody else's take on it before I decide to do that. So if you want to come back and let let us know. know. Okay, great. I
1: think it'll be an adventure, but I'm like, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of downsides if you can still publish it regularly, you know?
0: Yeah. So Well, I've, I've heard people, I've heard good and bad things about it, but again, because I haven't done it myself, I really couldn't say. I've heard people say that they um, didn't get as many reads as they want and didn't like it because of that. But like you said, you know, you might as well see what happens. And then if you can just pull it down, then. Yeah. I like, I like even if do I don't that. get,
1: even if I only get like 10 reads, I'm like, that's more than I would have had if I kept it to myself until publishing, you know? Right. Right. So,
0: okay, so. great. Well, yeah, maybe we'll have you back on sometime. You can tell us all about it. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Awesome. All right, well, great. Thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, it was great. It was so nice to meet you. You too. Me again, before you go, if you found value in this episode, I would love it if you could leave me a review. Reviews are the best way to show your appreciation and help others find this podcast. Be sure to screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media network and tag me at LK Hill Books. Remember the world needs your stories. Only you can change someone's heart with your fire-breathing dragons, your mind-blowing mysteries, your epic romances, and your intense thrillers. So join the revolution and be a prolific author.